With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. This is the Hervoye Moritz Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Round two, we got Terry Wolf coming up, our man in Manitoba, up there in Canada, FEMA Region 11, the Canadian sector of the North American Union, as I like to call it, Trudeau, Trudeau country. Um, what do we got going on? Israel assassinates deputy head of Hamas in drone attack uh, in Lebanon, in Beirut suburb. Hamas has officially confirmed the death of the high-ranking political official Saleh al-Arori. There, um, so yeah, the 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 uh, escalation there. Uh, who knows what's going to go on? Uh, I've been listening to some analysts who say uh, maybe things won't uh, escalate because you know these are pretty uh, you know calculated uh, assassinations and, and maneuvers. Difficult uh, to say. So there, there's that, and then there was this interesting tidbit published to USA Today. Today, from USA Today today, Foreign Minister Israel, uh, the Foreign Minister says, Israel at the height of World War III. Israel is at the height of World War III against Iran and radical Islam. Israel's new Foreign Minister said today at a Jerusalem ceremony, marking his ascension to the post. Israel Katz said his top priority is bringing home the hostages held by Hamas in Gaza. He wrote on social media that, quote, my message to the foreign ministry employees was succinct order of priority. Hostages, hostages, hostages. This is our commitment to the people and families. So that's interesting. Also, Times of Israel just reports Turkey arrests 33, I just noticed, 33, why? Always 33. 33 alleged Mossad agents arrested in Turkey as Israel threatens Hamas abroad, Ankara claims operation foiled Jewish state's attempts to kidnap foreign nationals on Turkish soil. Israel declines to comment. Of course, this would not be the first time that the Mossad has kidnapped uh, people in foreign countries. I remember, I think it was a year ago, I watched uh, video footage, a uh, news story of in some Asian country somewhere, uh, Mossad was was looking for someone, may have been uh, Palestinian or Hamas or someone, but it was just fascinating to see them in a foreign country. And I think they failed. It was a hacker or something. And, and they were trying to kidnap that person <laughs> in a third country. Um, and uh, they got into trouble with the local government. I'm sure you can pull that up by a search engine. So a lot of stuff is going on. Uh, South Korea opposition leader stabbed in the neck. Really gruesome video footage. Uh, I have seen it. Lee Jae-myung was stabbed in the neck during a press conference in Busan, South Korea. He's the main opposition party leader. My first uh, thought is it's probably the empire. You know, they don't like opposition to their globalist puppets. So is it someone who's disgruntled or is it uh, Washington? Uh, putting someone up to taking out Lee Jae-myung. Uh, it's really disgusting to see such acts. Um, it's I mean, people can go watch the footage, graphic warning there. It's uh, it's in broad daylight. 
and someone comes up to him and sticks a knife right in his neck, I hope he will be uh, okay. Pretty gruesome. Uh, Badra Kumar, a retired Indian diplomat, very good geopolitical analyst, writes for Cradle today. Ukraine and Palestine, a double threat to U.S. hegemony. Uh, Niall Ferguson, the the British establishment historian, wrote two days ago for Bloomberg the same thing. So Niall Ferguson said that the same thing that the Pax Americana is in decline. Uh, Ukraine and 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 Palestine are key going forward. You have Badra Kumar saying this now. He says the outcome of U.S.-led conflicts in Ukraine and West Asia will have a profound impact on the developing world order. Washington has already lost the former, and its major adversaries are vested in making sure it loses the latter, too. So we are in the crucible uh, in 2024. Uh, Elon Musk, Captain Obvious, he says 2024 is going to be even more crazy. His New Year prediction has arrived amid the conflict in Ukraine and ahead of a contentious election in in the U.S. So tell us something we don't already know, Mr. Musk. Um, there was a fascinating piece I missed from uh, December 31st by James Wesley Rawls, former intelligence um, officer uh, of survivalblog.com. I've interviewed him on my podcast once. He says why we should dread a second civil war. Quote, I must emphasize, I absolutely dread the prospect of a second civil war. He goes on to say, in short, a second civil war would be a decidedly ugly chain of events that would ruin almost everyone's lives. And regardless of how it ends, I can foresee there would be recriminations that linger for at least five decades. And he goes on to talk about his grandfather uh, involved in the civil war uh, and, and things that continue to haunt uh, his grandfather years Later, no, we do not want a civil war, as some people like Alexander Dugan uh, suggest. Uh, also, you know, cyber polygon uh, news, U.S. water utilities targeted by foreign hackers. Uh, also in Australia, is it? Uh, Victorian courts hit by major cyber attack. Hackers access sensitive audiovisual materials used in trials some major cyber attack has seen criminals gain access to sensitive materials from trials in the victorian court system so there you go there's your daily cyber polygon news and wall street journal has reported the military's phantom extremists we good news the u.s military is not packed with violent extremists as the regime would like us to uh, believe and nicolas maduro says BRICS represents the future of humanity and that's most of the interesting stuff today. Did you know there are many ways you can listen to TNT? You can stream direct from the website, uh, tntradio.live, uh, to your, any device that you're using, or you can download the app for uh, your smartphone from the app stores, Google, Apple. Uh, and we're also streaming live on Twitter X, YouTube, Rumble, Odyssey. All your bases belong to us. We got you covered on TNT. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I've been in the car all day and I got to listen. Can't get enough of it. You guys are doing a great job. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. One of the most recognizable fictional characters ever, Mickey Mouse, has entered the public domain. Now that the Walt Disney Company has officially lost exclusive rights to early versions of the iconic cartoon. And of course, it didn't take too long for sick and twisted minds to show off what they plan to do with the image of the recognizable rodent 
including horror-themed movies and video games. Here with the story, joining me once again, TNC Radio news producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus. Thanks, Rory. That's right. Your childhood ruined in real life, as it were. Uh, yeah, this uh, it, it all went down. New year, uh, new life for an old version of Mickey Mouse. As of 12.01 a.m. on January 1st, 2024, Mickey Mouse, literally uh, the world's most beloved and recognizable children's character ever. Literally, actually, uh, I should be more specific here. The earliest iteration of Mickey Mouse entered the public domain. And now we get to see and hear and all of that fun stuff what the public wishes to do with it and it's no not good no surprise here uh of course just in the last couple days we've seen tons of memes spreading online showing mickey in absurd and inappropriate scenes including nautical accidents terrorist attacks and all sorts of things that we probably should not mention on air um but we've also saw this is very interesting to me um Again, let me be specific. This is not the Mickey Mouse that you're probably thinking in your head. Think older to the 1928, the animated short films, Steamboat Willie, Plain Crazy, Gallopin' Gaucho, the rat-like looking version of the mouse. That's the one who is now free reign for people to do with whatever they please. Now, what they did recently to Winnie the Pooh, uh, another beloved animated character, uh, is uh, they took Winnie the Pooh and uh, reimagined him as a savage killer after he would was uh, thrust into the public domain last uh, couple of years ago, 2022. And it looks like they're going to do the same thing right out of the gate with Mickey Mouse. Uh, there is a video game developer called Nightmare Forge Games. They released a trailer same day, immediately, as soon as they, they all knew. Uh, so on Monday, you can see this trailer. There's going to be a survival horror game called Infestation 88. And it features a sickly-looking Mickey who hunts down player-controlled exterminators in a dark warehouse. That sounds lovely. The game's description says, quote, in the year 1988, what was thought to be an outbreak of vermin morphed into something far more sinister. Prepare to face and eliminate a horrific entity with each episode containing a distinct classic character or urban legend responsible for the infestation, end quote. Okay, I see what they did there. This other one is far more interesting. Uh, on Monday, not long after everyone was aware of this, uh, a trailer dropped for a live-action slasher horror movie film called Mickey's Mousetrap, and it features a menacing character wearing a Mickey Mouse mask, stalking prospective victims, and uh, in actually attacking one. The trailer says, quote, a place for fun, a place for friends, a place for hunting. The mouse is out, end quote. Quite cheesy, actually. Uh, the plot of that film, directed by somebody named Jamie Bailey, surprised never heard of him uh, is described thusly on imdb quote it's alex's 21st birthday but she's stuck at the amusement arcade on a late shift so her friends decide to surprise her but a masked killer dressed as mickey mouse decides to play a game of his own with them which she must survive end quote wow this is crazy crazy stuff hervori um not that I'm a big fan of Disney, and we could probably have a long discussion about what cartoons does to one's brains, but doing this to a cartoon character that, I mean, kids still look to these things and recognize them as childhood things. Should we be doing this with characters like Mickey Mouse and Winnie the Pooh? Uh, what do you think about this? I, I think there is room to be creative. I think this is kind of cool, uh, interesting. Um in, in any in any case, I, I would guess that maybe the current generation 
is not consuming as much Disney or, or, or Mickey Mouse as maybe our generation ruckus. They're on to uh, some of these more, you know, the, the new cartoons that they uh, are are watching. Um, and I can imagine imagine this stuff with AI now um, running wild. So I think it is kind of cool. I also find it interesting how the playing field has been leveled. You know, if you look at the history of early on the Walt Disney and how much work it take took to create uh, the cartoons and the animations almost like manually. Uh, and now with the technology we have today, AI and all this software, we can create our own entertainment. You know, we can make someone could sit at home and, and make their own Mickey cartoons uh, almost uh, pretty much. And so it's kind of making them, uh, you know, the, the people making uh, some of this entertainment um, obsolete. But uh, you know, we also have to be careful with kids. I've seen this where kids will quickly, you know, little children, they will quickly associate um, an item or, or object uh, or some character as, as good or bad um, with good ideas and, and positive feelings versus uh, bad vibes and, and horror and fear. So as, as you say, there is this danger if maybe one kid is on YouTube one day and sees this horror Mickey from then on, anytime they see a cute little Mickey doll, they're going to be horrified. They won't want to sleep in the room with the Mickey Mouse doll because they think it's going to, you know, uh, during the night, uh, massacre them uh, or, or, or something. And so we, we do have to be uh, careful. But I think there is room. Uh, yeah, I think in the article you, you mentioned on Steam, uh, the video game uh, where people can buy video games. I've got a Steam account. Um, uh, they can buy this this uh, Mickey video game. So maybe for older kids, it's okay. But yeah, we have to be careful. Your, your further thoughts. Yeah, yeah, I'm certainly not a fan of horror movies currently. I used to be actually a big buff of that kind of stuff. I'm not even sure why. I was really into it, though. Um, but like, I've never liked the idea of this blurring the lines between like childhood kind of stuff. Like, let's keep these two things extremely separate. Um, also feel the same way about like adult entertainment things as well. I can only imagine what people are planning on doing with this in that realm. Uh, I think I'm happy to say I'll probably miss all that. Um, but yeah, I just personally, I, I don't, it, it leaves like this weird feeling to me when they do this with kids uh, related, you know, characters. Uh, there's another one who is also entering the public domain in 2024. Uh, I actually like this character, uh, Tigger uh, from the Winnie the Pooh stuff. Um, his, uh, he first made an appearance, the bouncing tiger known as Tigger uh, in the book, uh, The House at Pooh, corner uh that is now turned 96 uh there's other works from 1928 entering the public domain including the novel lady chatterley's lover by dh lawrence and em remarks novel all quiet on the western front so that's kind of interesting i'm not sure what creative minds might do with those but i'm guessing they're not going to turn them into slasher films or video games but who knows and i, I recall among uh, my library i i had um some used copies of dh lawrence uh books i think lady chatterley's lover never read them um they're there somewhere so yeah interesting and i do you know what you say does make sense back in the old days you know mickey mouse would be relegated to the children's arena other stuff you know adult stuff adult arena and i i do think it's not cool to see them take the whole mickey universe uh, and then just apply it to everything you know to adult to whatever it's just it kind of it's if it's everything it's it's nothing you know it should be where where it was meant to be uh innocent um in in, in the child for children 
to consume that stuff. Uh, but like I mentioned this story before, I was at a Walmart some months ago looking for toys for my kid and they had a Mickey Mouse Disney puzzle and it had the rainbow flag on it and an actual uh, LG, LGBT description. So they were pushing, using Mickey to push LGBT, uh, using Mickey to turn my kid um, LGBT. That is definitely not, not cool. All right, Ruckus, uh, catch up with you tomorrow. We got Terry Wolf coming out on wolfpox.com. Feel free to call in. Be right back. You should hear what Ross Cameron is talking about. I see there's a new trend taking place, sweeping uh, the internet of what they're calling sort of technology naked walks, where you go for a walk without your iPhone, without uh, a headset, and just alone with your thoughts. Apparently some people are finding it quite emotionally taxing, but subsequently liberating. Uh, certainly I find if I get into a motor vehicle with a teenager, it's a matter of seconds uh, before there is a request for uh, usually the latest uh, Taylor Swift song or some other form of electronic stimulus. We are generation apparently trained uh, for a very short concentration span and a desperate need for um, digital company. Ross Cameron on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Radio works because of its ability to personalize to the listener. What's exciting these days is that people are rediscovering it. You know, people are really rediscovering just how powerful radio is, how ubiquitous it is. It's in our cars, it's in our homes. There are so many new ways to access it. It's everywhere. To find out more, go to TNTradio.live. Today's News Talk Radio. Now we're talking. Damn. Damn. TNT. It is Terry Wolf Tuesday, our man in Manitoba. Terry Wolf, author of a number of books. Uh, I particularly like his Fire in the Rabbit Hole. Uh, he's been seen by millions on, on TikTok before he was deplatformed. Wolfpox.com, WinterChristian.substack. Dot com. Uh, what's what's going on, Terry? Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Good to be here again. Thank you for having me back. Uh, well, up here in Canada, we have uh, some interesting trends that we already noticed last year, but they're 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 kind of getting worse. Uh, people are fleeing the country. I mean, that's never a good sign. Um, I know in the United States, the border is pretty much open, and there's just you know millions of immigrants flooding in and stuff. So, you know, that's one kind of immigration here. It's not as easy, but people are seeking to leave and they're looking for where else to go. It's a, I hear callers on your show and people talking all the time about where can we go? How can we escape this? Because they have no confidence in Canada's future here. Yeah, I saw this um, article from True North just a couple of days ago. Canadians fleeing country in record numbers. And it's kind of weird because prior to the to that, I saw mainstream Canadian news talking about how the, the population is increasing. And I'm just thinking, well, that doesn't square. If I myself have seen a influx, a flood of Canadians here in Mexico with my own eyes, and we're hearing reports about people leaving, how are the numbers going up in Canada? And I think they're they're tricking us. It's the the migrants that are that they're bringing into canada that are pushing yeah. the numbers up but the native canadians are leaving the country they're uh, you know if we had well, kurt russell escaped from new york escaped from la now we've got escape from ottawa escape from toronto uh and it just and many people i see online that i follow on twitter are canadians that live down in, in mexico 
Uh, there was recently a great video of this Canadian guy uh, talking about why he's uh, going to leave Canada. Well, you know, the, the cost of living, the tyranny and so forth. And just your, your further thought on this. Well, that's exactly what's happening. And, and I can see it in my own town. There are so many immigrants coming in, but all the people that I grew up with or that I, you know, that I work with and stuff, they're talking about how they can leave. So, and then the people who are coming in, it's not like they're happy being here. They're just here. And then they find out once they get here that it's not as good as they were told. They were basically, Canada is lying to immigrants and telling them that it's a paradise here and that, you know, there, there'll be plenty of jobs and there'll be all this, you know, affordable housing and all these things, but it's not true that housing market's terrible. There's not nearly enough houses to support all the people that are coming in. So the housing prices are skyrocketing. Um, interest rates are super high. So the payments on houses is crazy. The rents are insane. And, and it's just the housing crisis here. Trudeau is scrambling to try to do something about it, although there's no easy solution. You have to build millions of homes. And so, uh, yeah, they're lying to immigrants to get them to come here. And then the people who've lived here their whole lives are saying, you know, this isn't going to, this isn't going to be sustainable. Um, I would also point out healthcare is a big part of that. Canada is very famous around the world for its healthcare being so free and, you know, socialized, but that's in disarray too. People wait years for uh, seeing a doctor if it's not a critical thing. And you can't just go to a private clinic. It's not like we have options, at least not for the most part. And so here's a story from the Globe and Mail. Canadian healthcare workers turn to AI for help amid a staffing crisis. So here we have hospitals. There's not a lot of them, but they're starting it. Um, there's, a, there's a service called ChartWatch, which is an AI-powered early warning system that hospitals are now starting to use to try to um, tell their nurses how to you know, when to check people's vitals and do blood work and these types of things. And they're because they don't have enough people to actually have a human pay attention to what you need. So they're, they're trying to speed up the process by using AI, which of course requires a bunch of computing power and, and redesign of their systems. And there's privacy concerns to all these things that you would expect from AI getting involved in people's personal healthcare but it's already happening. And I think that's another sign that Canada's healthcare system is overloaded. Uh, socialized medicine doesn't work. There's not enough incentive because the pay isn't that great. And it's just, uh, it's it's pretty dark. And of course, we know Canada with their MAID system, their assisted dying program, they're measuring people being killed in terms of positive results. They're proud of the growth year over year of people having medical assisted dying. So it's a, it's a very dark country to live in right now. There are a number of things there. Um, I saw, I've even seen videos um, not long ago of migrants, immigrants in Canada saying they want to go back to their countries where they came from because it, it makes no financial sense. And then the culture is, is changing. So there's that. And, um, by the way, speaking of AI, you know, what you just mentioned, them using AI now in, in the hospitals in Canada. I mean, it's not technically, it's not a bad thing, but I think the, the, the issue is we're sold that AI is the answer to all of our problems. And no, like if you're going to use AI, you have to 
understand its limitations you know i i went to the beach recently and i don't i don't have any of these smart gadgets but someone uh, at the beach where, where we were staying they had the alexa right and then we'd plug in the alexa um to listen to music principally and then unplug it when we're not using it and half the time uh it didn't understand me for, for the, the the musicians you know i, I couldn't get the, the the bands to play that, that i wanted like it didn't understand the ai uh alexa so these systems are so imperfect they still make so many mistakes um and uh also made i don't know if you saw um there was an al jazeera 25 minute documentary produced recently on the canadian made program and it was my jaw was dropping there was a lady from myanmar or somewhere who was living alone in canada after so many years she had cancer and she killed herself with made and they later found in her emails uh that she kept secret that she said look the physical pain of my cancer is not so bad uh it's really the mental anguish of no one I, I have nobody and so I signed up to, to for the government to kill me right and that that would have actually disqualified her for aid but um but it's it's just this is a total eugenics anti-human democidal program if you ask me I don't think it should even exist this month there are going to have to look at that again i believe and look at expanding it they're trying to expand who all qualifies and of course the government is eager to try to get pretty much anyone to qualify if you if you spin it the right way it's not an objective measurement that it has to be in place it's all subjective it's feelings it's you know your your loved ones can even basically recommend it for you and say you know there's like a whole system of trying to pressure people into doing this instead of demanding higher standards demanding that the government fix the healthcare system since it, it it runs the healthcare system we have to go to the government notoriously crappy you know you can't just vote with your feet so to speak and go to a different clinic or something you have to try to bother the government and get them to improve things so instead of that you know just bully people into going into assisted suicide that's a much easier solution for them so yeah I, I think of it as a eugenics program too we'll see if they expand it even further but there's horror stories all over the place i didn't know about that documentary though i might have to watch that yeah i'll share the link with you or if i can find it i'll throw it in the chat uh right now it's time for our headlines we'll be right back attention special bulletin special bulletin tnt radio news for TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. Claudine Gay, president of Harvard University, has resigned amidst a controversy involving plagiarism allegations and her testimony before Congress. The Times has reported that Britain's arsenal has been significantly depleted due to continuous arms supplies to Ukraine since February 2022. In New York City, Councilman Shakar Krishnan is spearheading an initiative to bar former President Donald Trump from appearing on the state's primary and general election ballots for 2024. Are you enjoying listening to TNT Radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Then please let us know. Why not leave us a like or a positive review or comment on Facebook, Gab, or Getter? Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. We're back with Terry, and someone just sent me uh, an email, hilarious, from uh, regarding how AI makes mistakes from Bruce Bruce uh, Schneier, who's uh, I'm subscribed to his email list, but I haven't had time to check it in a long time. 
Uh, and it talks about it's a, a woman who an influencer who accidentally ended up with a sixty thousand dollars of of shrimp and squid at a lunch, <laughs> and it was her fault because she took a photo of the menu with the QR code, um, and then she posted it. And I guess I don't know what happened. People scanned it, and then they ended up ordering to her meal uh, <laughs> so much more food. There's another perfect example of just the dystopian nature <laughs> of all of this technology and um let me just ask you one more thing because it kind of related to the people fleeing canada there was a story that you had also mentioned about um the border crisis that we all know that's going on in the at the u.s uh, and how the uh, border patrol reports record encounters at the southern border um and it's just crazy the influx of of people it's a deliberate globalist strategy they're just masses of people are flooding into the u.s now the there was a recent meeting between uh, Mexico and U.S. with uh, Mayorkas and 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 Blinken, and Mayor Mayorkas, the head of the DHS, um, the American Stasi, uh, tweets out that you know regional problems require regional solutions, like you know uh, perhaps a North American Union. So, you, any thoughts you have on the border crisis? Yeah, I see the immigration thing. I, this goes back to 2015 and, of course, Brexit and Donald Trump's election and all these things. But I see that entire thing as being about trying to not it's not about a demographic war of replacing white people or something as simple as that. It's more like they hate when people are educated about their rights. They hate when people have high standards for their government and they're informed and they can resist uh you know tyranny and they're aware of things and so if you can get people who don't even speak the language to flood in and they don't have jobs and they're just depending on welfare or some sort of state you know apparatus you're just shifting the balance of the discussion in the country just based on that so you know in in December the border patrol said that they encountered 300,000 migrants. Yeah, that that's like one month and uh 52,000 people um you know there's unofficial numbers that are even higher. Uh so in September it was apparently 260,000 like we're talking about millions of people a year just walking across and then you know me and you and the people who are listening to this, we want, we have standards. We want to demand things from our governments and improve things. Just like I want Canada to get its healthcare system together. And, and, you know, we all have things we want, but these people are just coming in and demanding uh, jobs and, and welfare, if not, and, you know, a lot of them are hardworking, but still this is this is a, a strategy i believe especially in the long term to just uh shift the conversation and this is in a way all going back to the the uh 1% versus the 99% you know wall street um protests you know just this rising literacy and this rising awareness of of tyranny um it, that's how i see it so it is the globalist plan to mix everything around uh get of course they don't really want us to go over there they just want uh people from mexico people from other parts of the country where i live there's people so many people from africa from 
India, from Pakistan, you know, these countries, they come here with chain migration and they're not concerned about the same things me or you are concerned about, you know? And so they're, they're, uh, they're not putting the same kind of pressure on these corrupt politicians. And, and I just read something yesterday. Uh, it was a tweet. I couldn't, I didn't have time. I tried to find the source, but someone said that some of these illegal migrants, they'd get, the, I don't know who's giving them money, the U.S. government, some, well, NGO, you know, they, they would get like $2,000 or something. And then they'll circle back. Then they'll exit the U.S., come back again, get another 2000 and then another and get like $8,000, $10,000 scamming the system. And now in California, you know, I, I, I've mentioned before, I know Americans that work full-time jobs just to have insurance, which for me is insane. That should that type of system should not even exist. That, that insurance costs that much that you got to work full-time just to have insurance, health insurance. And now illegal uh, migrants are going to get... Um, health insurance who gives me health insurance here in mexico that i don't even get from the mexican government <laughs> well i guess uh, i guess I, i've never applied I, I guess i do get eames um but i, I just use private health care for now because it's kind of affordable but um there's this crazy story that you found as well ctv news canada just face i'm just you know more every day i'm just fa face palm you know roughly 10 percent of global global emissions come from tourism a new report says between Eight and ten percent of global emissions come from the tourism industry, and that change is needed to bring them down in time for twenty thirty climate targets. Uh, your thoughts on this madness? Yeah, I'm going to read a little bit from here. In 2023, the world witnessed an extraordinary succession of broken climate records, uh, causing widespread and profound impacts on ecosystems and society. I felt like a very normal year to me. But anyway, this moment compels a proportionate response from the tourism community. So that's another one of these regional problems that you need to have, you know, regional unions and the United Nations and these transnational things. Everything, every problem now is a crisis that transcends borders. It affects all of us from the highest to the lowest. And therefore, we need to have a global government. So here, not only is it about carbon reduction, which is about destroying critical infrastructure and limiting our human liberty, but it's also, you know, a push for this regional solution. So, yeah, this is a this is a report people should be alarmed at. They're claiming 10% of global emissions come from tourism. That's so just impossible when you look at all human activity across the whole globe is like 1% of carbon emissions. Uh, compared to what the oceans do and what you know just naturally happens in volcanoes and things like that. So this 10% is a scare number. It's not real. And you know, you'd have to use your critical thinking when you see reports like this, but it's there to shock, it's there to scare people. And then those people go along with what politicians say. And and they, that way they can just sort of bulldoze the conversation with these terrifying numbers that don't mean anything. And then there's a segment here that says the uh, the TPCC. What is that again? World? No, um, so many of these acronyms. Tourism panel on climate change. They've actually got a tourism panel on climate 
change um, highlights the importance of integrating climate change and tourism policies. It's so funny how they put these, you know, cute uh, unicorns and rainbows phrases, climate change and tourism policies, would it should really be renamed to, uh, we're going to take away all of your uh, rights to freedom of movement. And, and you know, that's still a question that we're going to have to answer. Someone a few months ago, I mentioned this, they, they brought up a, a good question. This contradicts the UN's own charter and the EU's own charter and, and human rights where we're all supposed to have freedom of movement. But now the the the, the UN's own tourism, you know, um, climate change board is trying to restrict our freedom of movement. But here it says with a focus on mitigating the emissions impact of travel and creating incentives for low carbon tourism. And, and just your thought. Um, Terry, because I mentioned I listened to Xi Jinping's New Year's address uh, yesterday, 11 minutes long. There's English subtitles. People can find it. And he actually says um, that the Chinese are learning to live a low carbon lifestyle. And so, again, there's that question for the multipolaristas, how, you know, China and Russia at the end of the day are are pushing this Malthusian democidal uh, agenda. It was just kind of you know weird to hear Xi Jinping a low carbon lifestyle. Like let's go back to the Middle Ages. You know, uh, that's that's a low carbon lifestyle. Yeah. Any thoughts there? Yeah, there was a couple of things that stood out to me that I thought were strange. One was that he acknowledged that their economy was in trouble. He called them headwinds and said that uh, there was people who couldn't find jobs and that you know were struggling to to get by, which you know. I figured he would just say that everything is perfect and that China's never been stronger and sort of that typical communist, you know, ultra projection of strength. Um, and at the same time, yeah, he talks about this low carbon lifestyle, which, you know, I think in the video, they show somebody riding bikes in a park or something like that. And, you know, everyone knows that there's huge pollution problems in China, you know, regardless of the climate debate, there's just inhuman levels of pollution and you know yeah he's not mentioning uh any of the the real deep problems that would actually cause ecological harm and and but yeah the the posturing and pandering to the climate thing they're pushing very hard for battery powered vehicles and, and you know evs in china right now i've seen videos of uh old EVs being hauled off in semi trucks and just dumped into landfills uh, because uh, the new generation came by and they're replacing them. The manufacturers buy their own stock and register them as being sold so that they can hit the quotas that the government is requiring of them. <laughs> and so it's like this big scam where nobody's actually buying them and then they can report these fake numbers. And that just creates this environmental disaster where these batteries are exploding and they're not being maintained or disposed of properly. So yeah, the, the green rhetoric is purely a lie, but it's it's there to uh, prop up that exact the question of, you know, why are they suddenly going along with this woke climate agenda? Is there some sort of benefit or do they have the same thing in mind? Like you said, this... Uh, this it's a it's a convenient excuse to suppress people and why would not why wouldn't china go along with the same talking points if they have the same goal of you know keeping people down and and restricting their freedom restricting their economic growth and saying that it's good for the environment
Yeah, I think uh, Beijing is in with the technocrats. Anthony Sutton and many others have uh, attested to that. And and uh, real quick, you also talked about you had thoughts on Taiwan and the semiconductors there and the unification uh, with China. Yeah, Xi said in in uh, December that reunification with Taiwan was inevitable. That was his choice of words. And I just wanted to point out that it, this month, I believe, I, I read that Taiwan is having a major election. And so there are pro and anti-Beijing factions competing there. And basically all of the political parties in Taiwan are distancing themselves now from China um, and saying that uh, they're not pro-Beijing because the people in Taiwan are so anti-China by now. And one of the things is uh, Taiwan has... TSMC, which is one of the biggest chip manufacturers in the entire world, if not the biggest, um, and they specialize in ways that others don't, especially for AI technology, AI-designed uh, conductor chips and microchips. So that's why Taiwan is such a hot topic right now. And this month, I, I look forward to seeing what happens there because you got the election, you've got this military, you know, frigate brigade over there that's, you know, they're surrounding the whole area with ships. And China's putting a lot of pressure on Taiwan, but I think it all comes down to this uh, TSMC chip manufacturer. It's going to be, again, a lot of interesting stuff going on in the Indo-Pacific uh, with China and, and in Asia as well. It's time for our break. Uh, check out Terry's website, Wolf, as in the animal, wolfpox.com. Check out his Substack, his different socials, his books, uh, and so forth. We'll be right back. Our beautiful world is changing, withering, dying by the hands of those who don't value nature, even though we all depend on it for life itself. But there is hope. Together with caring friends, the Nature Conservancy can restore our lands, heal our waters, and save our wildlife with big solutions only nature can provide. But every day we lose more of the places we love, and we urgently need to save endangered lands, waters, and wild species. The actions we take today will determine the tomorrow we leave to our children and grandchildren. The water they drink, the air they breathe, the beauty they experience. To learn more about how you can help protect and conserve our beautiful world, Visit nature.org today. Hi, I'm Abel. I often forget to mention that he's an amputee because Abel will try any activity he can. My arm helps me with basically everything. He doesn't see what he can't do, he sees what he can do. Yeah, okay. this is helping. The War Amps has just given him the ability to do all the activities every kid can do. When you donate to the War Amps, you help kids like me. Thank you. Critically analyzing global affairs. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Our final segment with Terry Wolf, wolfpox.com. By the way, Terry, um, I, I watched yesterday your interview with Daniel Natal. I've, I've been on his show. He's been on my TNT show and podcast. Uh, how was that? Daniel Natal um, had not heard of him. He reached out to me, I think, because of of you, and uh, I was I was unsure of what to expect. Once I went there, he was very informed. I learned some things from him that I didn't know, which 
doesn't often happen. And we got into the whole fire in the rabbit hole thing, the these psyops and uh, you know how we got to this point where, yeah, so I, I, we got into a very deep conversation. I think the Daniel Natal show is worth checking out if people want to see my interview on there. Um, I hope to be able to go back on because uh, we still had, afterwards, we were having a conversation and there's still a lot left to talk about that we wanted to get into. Yeah, and you know he was with the new American, and um, now he's not, and he's restarting uh, his channel. And he's he's like for me, he's a brain. Um, I just he's very well 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 read and very sharp. And and his my podcast with him was, um, yeah, because like you said, he's he doesn't have he's not uh, such a big name, but it it, it was popular uh, because he's <laughs> so uh, smart. And um, you also some of the things you were looking at netanyahu uh this is shocking to well i guess not so shocking to see that only what is it just 15 percent of israelis would keep netanyahu as prime minister after the war so you know your your further thoughts on israel and um netanyahu yeah i've been paying attention to this for a while and as far as i know netanyahu was terribly unpopular before the gaza attacks um, there was all sorts of protests and almost like a, you know, feeling of a civil war that people were so unhappy with the way he was treating the legal system there. He was trying to take away the power of the Supreme Court to challenge him and these types of things. And now the attacks happened and, you know, it was supposed to be a big 9-11 event to change perception and rally people like with George Bush. And suddenly everybody was patriotic and, you know, they could suddenly pass the Patriot Act and, you know, almost nobody said anything because the tension in the air, but it doesn't seem to actually be working. Netanyahu is still very unpopular. Obviously, the one of my first questions is, why not blame him for not preventing it in the first place? That's a huge failure of the security state, which they have all the resources and surveillance necessary to prevent it. So yeah, it just stood out to me now that um, even this is from yesterday, uh, 15% of people say they would keep him, which means a lot more want him gone. Yeah, my tour guide in Israel uh, was a hard, hardcore, you know, Israel supporter. But, you know, this is the guy that uh, pushed COVID-1984 hard on the Israelis. And, you know, your thoughts regarding what's happening with Trump, there's the main ballot. Uh, and then I just shared this from you. I, I just, I got this from Dustin Nemos's telegram. Dustin was uh, uh, recent, recently on my, uh, on the show here on TNT. And it, it's from The Economist. Uh, and again, a, a trick for people listening to get behind the paywalls, archive.today. Toss in links from The Economist, Wall Street Journal, New York Times. It will give you the full unpaywalled version. Hey, it's uh, open source. So... Uh, you know, I, I don't think I can get into trouble there, but it says from The Economist, this is December 20th. Many Trump supporters believe God has chosen him to rule. Say the word apostle and people think of stern halo-crowned men with names like Peter or John, not a bloke called Greg from Mississippi. Unlike the first apostles who were partial to robes, if stained glass windows are anything to go by, Greg prefers jeans and cowboy boots. And it goes on, I guess, to talk about how people... Um, 
are, 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 Worship are Trump. <laughs> worshiping Trump. Trump. And this goes to, you know, Donnie Darkens, um theory. And I, I saw something recently as well, an insane clip. It's somewhere on my Twitter, which I like comparing, um, again, so many comparisons between Trump. Uh, the Trump supporters are, are making all these comparisons to Trump uh, and, and Jesus. Uh, here it is. This is crazy. So I, I didn't even know this. You've got from the in the New Testament, the book of John, it says, Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every soldier apart. So they took Jesus's garments and shared them with each other. And Trump in this, we talked about this before, his NFT uh, digital cards. So yeah. Trump is selling his ones, a suit that he wore that will be cut into pieces. Yeah, I snipped it. That's totally like mimicking what happened to Jesus. So this is really wow. starting to freak me out. Um, <laughs> but your thoughts on on economists talking about um, this about Trump and the main ballot stuff, and then all of this these these things. Well, we saw Colorado uh, tried to ban him from the ballot, and now Maine is doing it. We were talking about maybe this will have a ripple effect, and you'll see a, a domino effect where. A lot of states will try to ban him from the primary ballot so that he can't even be the GOP candidate. Um, a lot of them have already said that's not going to happen, but here we see another one. So Maine and Colorado look like they're both going to go in this direction. But of course, they're going to try to appeal it. It's going to hype up his persecution complex. This is, you know, the Jesus thing too, that, you know, he's he's hated by the deep state. They want to stop him from winning. And so, uh, you know... I could go on and on about Trump's uh, space force, the the obviously Operation Warp Speed, and him locking down the economy and inflating, hyperinflating the economy with his money printing during that time and all this stuff. But um, it is very real. People basically do worship him. Um, I, I think it's worth studying, worth looking into. I see videos of people on the street being interviewed where they're talking about him as the chosen one, as the deliverer, the Messiah that is going to save Israel, it's going to save America, he's going to save America, um, he's going to kill the globalists. He had that very weird speech where he was talking about being the retribution of Americans who were tired of the deep state and and really sort of a fire and brimstone uh, warning to the globalist elite. So... You know, people are ready for the Jeffrey Epstein list to be released, and they think Trump is going to, you know, send them, kill them all, I guess, or send them to Gitmo or whatever it is they think he's going to do. And uh, I think it's a phenomenon definitely worth studying. It's real. I don't know if it's being exaggerated in this article or not. I'd have to read it. But um, I would say, prob just based off of my estimate of the culture, I'd say probably... Uh, almost 20% of the people who deeply support Trump have some almost religious, you know, conviction. I think a lot of other people just uh, like somebody like Tucker Carlson or somebody would just say, you know, he's, he's a, he's a good candidate because he'll, he's popular and he will beat the left, you know, and that's just sort of a pragmatic look at him. But um, I would also remind you of like Alex Jones writing a book recently called the great awakening where he talks about how God has this glorious future in mind for us that is going to happen after the globalists are defeated. And, you know, we saw the, uh, <laughs> the NWO video game he put out too, where Trump comes in literally flying out of the sky and blasting demons with his eyes and 
like there's this imagery is out there and so it's it's being pushed in the counterculture people don't think of him as a mainstream politician or a mainstream controlled candidate so yeah it's it's bordering on this and i think darney darkin does a great job of sort of exposing how sick this can be yeah, I played the Alex Jones video game just for fun. Hey, it was like five levels. I think I finished it in a half hour or, or, or something. But um, and, and, you know, the article also says three in 10 Americans believe Mr. Trump was anointed by God to become president. But again, there's so much twisting of scripture here. The Bible implies throughout the Bible that, you know, our God oversees rulers being put into place, uh, you know, good, good and bad. So you can't, you know. You're supposed to respect the government in, in in general as a Christian, um, whether it's tyrannical or not. You know, of course, you want to work uh, against evil and work as a peacemaker and work towards good. But uh, we got three minutes left, and there was still some uh, AI news. And you know, Ma Maria Z shared on her Telegram an interesting story about how the EU is pushing AI governance hard, uh, and she says it's the guise is of protecting people from AI, but the all this legislation but the goal is eventually completely hand over governance in all facets of society to ai per the un 100 whatever this thing is called and i you know i've been talking about for years now algocracy that that's what that's that's algocracy that's what they want rule by algorithm but uh, two and a half minutes left you know other thoughts on we don't have, uh, have enough time to cover all the stories but you had some uh more on ai yeah, I saw this on Blaze Media. Uh, police are in Britain are investigating a case of virtual rape in the metaverse. So no physical harm, but some underage person was using VR metaverse stuff, and um, you know the a bunch of guys in the game went and I guess surrounded her and sort of simulated attacking her or something. And now they're investigating it. So um, I would say you know this is. The metaverse has been so disappointing, but uh, here, even the few people who are doing it are experiencing this, and now police have to try to figure out whether that's a real crime or just a sort of a mishap in a video game. Very strange times. I mean, I don't even know what to think uh, about this. Obviously, you know, it's a serious subject, but you just, I mean, you just unplug. You're, you're physically in your home, uh, and yeah. I don't know... Because again, we're on this slippery slope. Because uh, they're just they're tr now they're criminalizing thought. Um, something you post on Twitter. So if I just post something the government doesn't like, I, the cops come and take me away. So I think we have to be careful uh, with this. So uh, people should be I, responsible for themselves participating in a in a video game. There's been millions of video games where you kill each other in the video game, but now because it's a, a VR headset and it's a social environment and somebody does something rude to you like just take responsibility unplug limit children's access to it if you want to but yeah this turning it into a crime and letting it happen like this is the real life it's the metaverse that's the bizarre thing to me is to indulge the idea of the metaverse to that extent and it's the parents responsibility it's not the government so i i don't think um it's, it's, you know, I treat it like a video game. So there, I don't think it should be a crime. It's the parents' responsibility to watch that stuff. Uh, always great chatting, uh, Terry. Um, I look forward to our chat next week. Tell us again where we can find you, your latest projects and all that. Go to wolfpox.com. Uh, that's a nice short uh, URL. Or you can go to winterchristian.substack.com. That's where I'm doing articles nowadays. 
All right. Until next time, Steve Malzberg is up next. Keep on rocking in the not-so-free world. Be seeing you.